The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Third Man Podcast of the Jack White Third Man Records History Program, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. James, so many people. We're nearing the end of this season here. It's getting, it's getting close. It is getting close. Lots of people have talked to us this season, but we were not expecting to have another big one before we left for our seasonal hibernation in the mountains where we go during the summertime much like john rambo we spend our entire summer in the mountains assembling traps for brian dennehy <laughs> and <laughs> i'm like 80 percent sure he's dead now yet we still go up I there do, yeah no i do set a lot of traps and let me tell you for those first couple years he was pissed <laughs> he was real pissed he's like he- that was a movie, and this is a real death trap you've assembled for me. Now, let's be clear. My traps were not that deadly. It was mostly just, like, dog poop in a bag. James had a bunch of dog <laughs> in a bag, and he dropped it on Brian Dennehy. <laughs> I had one of those fun, like, little slappers, and it it gave him one of those in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if any of that's going to be usable, but yeah, we did talk to Olivia Jean and April March, so we're really happy about that. So Olivia Jean and Eleanor Blake, a.k.a. April March, released this past spring an EP called Palladium, and it's six tracks, I think, and there's sort of an English version and a French version and some sub-variation versions of the sort of root song, which is Palladium. And it's awesome. We love it. And I was not expecting to get new Olivia Jean this year. And when we did, I was very, very happy, especially because it was with Eleanor Blake. And I am a huge April March fan. I don't know about you, James, but I first heard April March when Chick Habit, Mm -hmm. that song, was in the Tarantino film. I think it was Death Proof. 
And I remember thinking, what the hell is this? This is so good. This is, must have been, what, 2006 or something like that. And I remember going on to probably like LimeWire or something. It was like, who is this person? Like trying to find it desperately. And I, I wound up becoming a fan then. And I think in one of our first episodes, if not our first episode, we discovered that she was a sympathy for the record industry recording artist in yeah. the late 90s. Not all that far from when Jack was involved with Long Gone John and his, let's call it an operation. So it was really cool a couple of years ago when she illustrated the We're Gonna Be Friends book and did the book tour with Jack, the one that I was able to see, which was awesome. And then she also recorded a version of We're Gonna Be Friends for that book. And so the fact that she teamed with Olivia Jean on a new single of a rad 60s cover song, it was like surprising and awesome. Yeah, it was really, really cool. The music video for it is great. I don't know, it's, it was such a nice, peaceful moment amidst the past year and a half so it was really cool to have this new music which i wasn't expecting to get any new music really yeah from third man and we got tons this year including this amazing ep yeah well so we've talked to a few people who have released new music on third man this year including silver, silver Synthetic. synthetics own yeah. chris lyons and we love that album we'd love to talk to natalie bergman we haven't been able to get in touch with her but that record is great james actually turned me on to that one um, a little while ago with that song. Yeah, Shine Your Light on Me is so yeah, good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I like that stuff a lot. I mean, look, <laughs> frankly, it's a great time for music right now. I feel like people are starting to almost like wake up, like we're seeing the spring flowers a little bit in terms of new music. It's like coming out. We just got that new St. Vincent record that dropped, and we've got all this other cool stuff happening, all these new artists like Phoebe Bridgers and all this doing really interesting stuff. Oh, and we just got a new Margot Price track. I think it was released like yesterday or something yeah. like that. But anyway, so we're really thrilled to talk to April March and to Olivia Jean. This, of course, is the second time Olivia's been on the show. If you'd like to listen to our first interview with Olivia, that's uh, going back to last season already, James. Oh, yes, with the days. That was right around when Night Owl came out. Yes. We love that record. But James, before we hop into this wonderful interview here, we do have a bit of house cleaning to do. We have a Mop. stitch and the spur. Oh. Hey. <laughs> We can sew. There you go, you can sew. Ah, if only we had known this earlier. Sewing. Now, James, we normally reserve the stitch and the spur segment on the program to talk about upholstery, which is a sentence I definitely just said. But in this case, James, we're going to use it to talk a bit about fashion, specifically as it relates to a question we got from a listener about an episode earlier this season. Mm -hmm. 
So we did this episode called Pop Quiz 2, The Revenge, wherein I inflicted a pop quiz upon James, and then Luke Sinclair inflicted a pop quiz upon the both of us later in the episode. And one of Luke's questions was, who designed Jack White's skeleton suit that he wore during the Consolers of the Lonely Tour with the Tours? Now, obviously, James and I are fashionistas, and clearly, we keep our eyes and ears on the world of fashion and clothes people wear. I know I'm talking about that stuff all the time. I don't know about you, James. Anyway, Luke correctly identified that James and I would not be able to recall that that was Manuel who designed the suit, the bone suit. And we actually got a message from one of our listeners, Tam Davis, saying that she thought it was somebody different, and she sent us a photo of Jack with the person that she thought had designed the suit. Mm-hmm. But I am able to confirm that it was, in fact, Manuel that designed that bone suit. And we know this because back in our Consolers of the Lonely Part 1 album analysis and review episode, we spoke to brandy saint john and brandy was able to tell us at that time that it was in fact manuel that designed the bone suit so it was manuel tam thank you for the question and for writing in to ask about it you'll see online some places that people identify the suit as a nudie suit look on the new york times they say by wearing a Nashville-style nudie suit with skeleton bone applique. That's the New York Times themselves. The failing New York Times, Paul. They said it. Wow. Well, James, far be it from me to stop you in the middle of one of your notorious rants, but actually, I think when they refer to nudie suits, they're referring to the style popularized by the the designer Nudie Cohn. So I guess while Nudie himself died in 1984, his business continued on for another 10 years before closing their doors but apprentices of his, like this guy Manuel, wound up continuing the tradition, and that's how you get something to be called a nudie suit, even though it wasn't crafted by nudie himself, necessarily. But don't take my word for it, for the love of all that is holy, because I am no expert on this, I throw it now to Brandy St. John, who shed more light on this for us back in episode 94. The suit that Jack's wearing in that photo is was his like famous bone suit that he wore yeah. on that tour. And Manuel made that in Nashville, who okay. was sort of the apprentice of Nudie Cohen, who made Nudie suits. So yeah, Manuel, you know, basically like worked under Nudie. Yeah, we we were curious about that because we had noticed the skeletal shirt uh, that he took on tour as well. We were we were curious if if you were involved in that as well. And James, that has been the stitch and the spur. It's little and broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. All right, James, let's get to this April, March, and Olivia Jean interview. What do you say? Let's do it. It's a good one.
We'd like to welcome to and welcome back some special guests today to the podcast. We're welcoming back Ms. Olivia Jean. Olivia, so nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> and then we'd also like to welcome Eleanor Blake, aka April March, to the show. Eleanor, so nice to have you here. I've been a fan for a long time. Super great to meet you. So nice to meet you. We've known your music for a long time and yeah. Super thrilled to have you on the show. So, so I have my other sh- my other show and tell is here. This is one of my favorites. It's a sympathy copy. So yeah, welcome. So you two are on today to talk to us a little bit about the new EP you released together, Palladium. And as we were just mentioning, it's a great new release this year. We were so excited and happy to get it because Eleanor, I think this is your first audio contribution to the world of third man records obviously you had done the we're going to be friends book but i was just so excited to see There's you on the record label. in that oh that's right that's right yeah true. this is the second yeah <laughs> but i was so happy to see uh, new original music from you at third man and of course pairing you and olivia jean together what a wonderful match because uh, you, you made such a killer combo with this record so first of all it rules i know james mentioned that His son has been dancing around to this one. It's a hit with our daughter as well. Olivia, your music in particular, your surf rock sound, for some reason, it's Taylor Swift and you. I don't understand why with my daughter, but that's it. (laughs) That's all she'll tolerate. Just you and Taylor. Oh, two polar opposites. Yeah. (laughs) Eclectic palette. I'm glad I can contribute. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, as we mentioned, we're a fan of each of yours individually. And it's interesting to hear your respective strengths sort of complement each other's styles in this way on this Palladium EP. Now, Eleanor, you've been a part of the third man world, as we mentioned with the uh, We're Going to Be Friends book and now this for a little while now. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what led to this inaugural, you know, musical collaboration with Olivia. Well, I guess I got an email, maybe it was 2017 or 18. It was around the time of the book, maybe a little after. Yeah. And I guess Olivia was in the studio and he emailed me and said, Olivia's trying to record this song called Palladium. Do you have any tips for her? Oh, wow. And I said, just pick another song. <laughs> unless, unless she wants to like turn into Queen Latifah or something. <laughs> um, then I ran into her when she was playing in New York, opening for the Raconteurs. Yeah. What was that? Was that 2019? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, 2019. And yep. So I, I didn't know Olivia at all, but I was like, oh. And then I said, hey, how's Palladium going? And she was like, what? <laughs> I tried and, and quickly realized you were correct. That song is fast and you definitely need to be fluent in French to do it. It's crazy. Wow. Right. And so she was like, well, I didn't do it or whatever. or I, It was too hard. And I said, well, why don't we just do it together? Wow. So this is part of the Night Owl sessions originally. Uh, no, it wasn't part of the Night Owl. It's just, I think you were wanting to do it on Night Owl, right? Uh, yeah, I wanted it to be a B-side. I kind of, I, I was having fun learning songs in different languages phonetically. So yeah. I wanted to wanted to do it again. But yeah, when Eleanor said it was impossible, I, <laughs> yeah, I tried a little bit, but well, yeah. Well, with the work you did on John Pahitch and Ho, like you, you did pretty good phonetically learning that one. I'm surprised, although yeah, that was a little bit slower. So I was able to work yeah. with it, you know, 
writing out how the what the words sound like, not necessarily yeah, knowing right. what they mean, was a lot easier with that song. But doing it for Palladium was impossible. Yeah, the fast French on there is amazing on a song. Uh, it's I don't know. It, there's something that really draws me into that stuff, and I know uh, we'll probably get into that. But I know me and Paul have been really digging into the Third Man releases of the like '60s French pop stuff, and it. Oh yeah, really is very reminiscent of all that. Yeah, I've become a real yay-yay head lately because that those Franz Gall reissues, I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" Because I never really knew that world at all, and I've just been entranced by it. It's just beautiful stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was introduced to yay-yay through like Scopatones, which you can find a ton of really cool Scopatone compilations on YouTube. The videos that go along with those yay-yay songs are really fun to watch. So yeah. <laughs> once you dig into that, you'll you'll start to realize like, oh wow, this is good stuff. And then I just have a fun fact about John Fetch Donahoe, which is my first band, the Pussy Willows. We also covered that song. <laughs> no oh, way. <wow>. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. It was know just, that. You know, so this is like, it's very, you know, obviously me and Olivia have some synchronicity. <laughs> It's an odd song to me because it's, you know, you don't normally think of Bollywood songs as being that far reaching, at least early on. You know, now it's much more broad, but uh, yeah, it's such a good song. It's really Yeah, it's fun in the video. I recommend watching the video for the song. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, and the video for that is just amazing. There's that guy with that mustache and everything. It's just wild. And actually, you know, there is a lot of similarity between John Pehechanho and Palladium in the sense that they're these sort of animated songs. There's almost like a novelty quality to them in a way, and they've been covered by just zillions and zillions of people over the course of the song's histories. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was even in like a Stella Artois commercial like not that long ago, too. <laughs> well, I think that might be, is that the original Palladium? Because I know that um, it was covered by Eleanor. It was also covered by somebody else before Liz Brady. Uh, Liz Brady covered it, and that's the, that's the version that I fell in love with was the Liz Brady version. 
And then the original is by the Sparkles. So the Sparkles from Texas wrote it, recorded it. And then a few months later, Liz Brady covered it in France. Oh, wow. It's like months apart. So we covered her version. Are you ready? Let's move on into the studio then. How much of your version of it was crafted before you went into the studio or like how much was worked out there in person? What was that like? So Eleanor sent me a bunch of uh, references, inspiration. So that's mainly what we did before the studio. Mm -hmm. I did a demo of two of them. I did a demo for Hot Sauce and a demo for Punkette. Um, But then obviously when we went into the studio, Eleanor fed a lot of really cool ideas that changed up the demos, which was great because her influences, she knows a lot more about French Yeye than I do. (laughs) So she's pulling a lot from what she knows, which is great because she added in the the flavor that it was missing, (laughs) you know, different, different ideas. Yeah. We were excited when we saw those pictures pop up on the Instagram. I think that that's where we first saw that, that you were down there, Olivia, or working with Eleanor. And that was super cool. Exciting to see you two collaborate. Now in the studio, was your band there as well, Olivia? Was your band playing on the track too? Yeah, it's one of the bands, one of the lineups that I use. They were the last group that I toured with. So Cody Clayton, Austin, Hans Seegers, and Erica Salazar. Yeah, so I assume you might not have seen much of them since the Night Owl tour was sort of abruptly halted by COVID. But how did it feel getting back with the band again and playing together again after so much time? I mean, did it feel like riding a bicycle? Were you back in the swing of things right away? Yeah, everyone was so excited to to play again because um, we recorded it. When was it? July. It was like yeah, the July. end of June. It was the end of June, beginning July. of July. We had a really short time to record it. Mm-hmm. It was like, bam, 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 bam. We don't know what we're going to use. Let's just record as much as we can. <laughs> we weren't originally going to do six versions. We were actually going to do an A and B side of a seven inch. Okay. And then we're like, well, we have all this, you know, all these ideas. Let's just squeeze it all (laughs) as much as we can in. And then we couldn't decide what we wanted to use. So pitched that idea. And luckily third man went with it to do six versions. Yeah. You know, Olivia and her lineup, you know, one of her lineups that we use, they're such good musicians that, I mean, it was just a joy. So it was like, let's try this. And it was like, easy. Let's try this. Let's try that. Yeah. You know, it's a real luxury when you have such top-notch musicians. Then you can really try all kinds of things. You're not laboring at all. And we just had a blast, right, Olivia? It was awesome, yeah. And our, our musicians that we used, yeah, like Eleanor would show them a reference really quick. And then they were like, okay, got it. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah, it was a really fun session. There were really no hurdles that we ran into. It went really smoothly. And I think that's why we ended up doing six songs. We couldn't stop. It was too much fun. Oh, that's great. And it was great to play music. It had been quite a few months. (laughs) 
a kind of a flavor of it in the video, but what was recording like in this time, not to date the podcast or anything, but like recording in COVID times, is it different? (laughs) (laughs) Is everyone masked unless they have to sing? Are there special singing masks? What's what's going on? Yeah, we had so we recorded the music (laughs) all with masks, obviously, and then we did our vocals a separate day. Yeah, there weren't as many people around so we could be unmasked and sing. Yeah. Uh, we tried, We were as safe as possible. Everything worked out great. Yeah, just super paranoid and safe about it. Yeah, because you were right in the thick of it in July. That's I can't imagine what that was like. At least you guys got to have some fun in the middle of it all. So that's that's good. Yeah, we we had pushed this project back so many times that it became kind of like okay, you know, <laughs> an issue at that moment in time. The world was in a place where it, it was somewhat safe. Yeah, to travel. Still, it was a pretty crazy thing that we did but just couldn't help it we yeah. we needed to play and we were super safe and and yeah. i remember i wore a jumpsuit on the plane and i remember like i arrived i went into the bathroom took off the jumpsuit put it in a garbage bag <laughs> 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 and then i stayed in the garbage bag till i left wow <laughs> i got the garbage bag put on the jumpsuit got back in the plane you could have gone the full hazmat too if you you know really wanted to go the extra distance <laughs> who are you The EP, I think, is such an awesome, not lost art, but something that people don't do enough these days. Like the EP really had a big heyday in the 60s. And right now it's become sort of like odd in the digital era. We were just talking about this the other day. So it was great to see an EP come out of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. is that the kind of like short form project that you each might want to pursue in the future? I like, well, for this, at this time, you know, this day and age, it's rare for people to, unfortunately, people that aren't into vinyl, a lot of people won't listen to an entire album. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep your train rolling, doing an EP, just, it makes sense. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say that it's not a good idea. Yeah. For the digital age, I think that it's, it's uh, smarter to do than waiting a year to put out another album. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because, you know. Yeah, it's a little more targeted. Yeah. You still get a package of music that you're able to send and, you know, you don't have to make the time commitment to an album for the people who think of an album as a time commitment, such as uh, former guest and Dirt Bomb, Mick Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love Mick Collins. He's so great. We love him so much. He has told us much about how he loves 45s because you just get a punch of music and then you can move on to something new. (laughs) You know, traditionally the EP, like in the 60s, it was just to compile 45s. Oh. So that's why they had an EP. You know, it was like you had a couple singles and then they would add two songs and make an EP. Right. It's not like everybody's like, what's an EP? It's like, oh, it's like super old. Right. <laughs> it's a cash grab, <laughs> like idea <laughs> from back then, you know, like that was. But I think the Beatles probably helped reinvent at least a portion of that because I there was some EPs that they put out even like Magical Mystery Tour was an EP so they they might have got people thinking about it differently and of course our sweet baby beetle Ringo Starr is sworn to only do EPs moving forward uh, which I'm very is that true it's true yeah he God just, bless that man yeah, God bless him yeah <laughs> he just put out one and well good. I trust his his judgment yeah for sure he's like rock and rolls Yoda 
something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of Yoda, who is a pretty relaxed creature, we got some behind-the-scenes footage on Instagram and stuff for the video for the songs. And what was the vibe like there with recording that video? It was super fun. Loved the dancing. Yeah. It was very, very chill and pleasant. And I really enjoyed the music video quite a lot. Thank you. Eleanor, do you want to talk about the day, how it went? or I, It was just, I, I feel like what you see is what, what it was like. Because we yeah. just had a lot of fun. Everybody at Third Man is like super sweet. And we're all like really, nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, we yeah. just had fun. And everybody's pretty chill. Brad is amazing, the director. And Olivia came in with these incredible kind of graphic ideas, the stuff in the beginning with the letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. the typography, yeah. That's Beautiful. totally, that's Olivia's super genius thing. And then <laughs> the, um, I think those face masks, right? What were so those? Yeah, the face shield Devo yeah. inspiration. Yeah. I brought that too. No one trusted that. Everyone, even the band was like, okay. <laughs> But no, I, 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 I totally love it. It's like, who doesn't want to give a nod to Devo in a video? I mean, they're and Mark they're Brothers the video liked it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so quirky and so fun. And the the let's go backup singing with the face masks is yeah, is so good. We really did appreciate that. I have behind the scenes footage of them doing that, but it's just me laughing the whole time. So I <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> embarrassing on my behalf well we saw some some other behind the scenes footage that you posted to instagram olivia of uh, eleanor's dance moves which we appreciated those were looking good grooving it's a very important dance <laughs> yeah eleanor has has the scoop it's called the dabra the what the dabra oh man oh. i love it it sounds legit <laughs> you have dabra's a southern bell i was gonna say it's the accent is included <laughs> It's the Southern Dance Ballet of Perry. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's beautiful. Uh, I I have the uh, the white boy shuffle, which I'm not going to display for you now, but I can assure you is not as charming. Oh, but you have to get up on your bed and do it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's really more gladly, of one of these. Look, you know, yeah, it's one I will, of these. I was going like to say, I'll gladly of, demonstrate. Yeah, I think we're just born like with it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah. the innate. I don't. I just. Yeah, I don't want to like, be noticed. But I want to. I still want to groove. This is a lifelike simulation of senior yeah. prom, right? Right here. Just one, of those. <laughs> one of those. Next um, show, if we if we are able to perform this live, we expect a lot of that. You gonna bring it to be. Oh yeah. Yeah, and if we don't see it, we're gonna have to come down into the crowd and make sure you're doing that <laughs> shuffle for us. Yeah, we're gonna come down with flashlights. <laughs> Looking for it. Oh, <laughs> Nobody needs well, to see that. Uh, now there's pressure. I mean, if you could just come to any wedding we're invited to, and, yeah, and you'll any, see it. Really, Don't worry. any wedding. It's yeah, it's really okay. <laughs> funerals. Funerals. My first it. dance. Yeah. It was. Mm -hmm. It was really bad. It was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Punkette was recently highlighted by Little Steven's Underground Garage as one of the coolest songs in the universe. Congratulations. That's nice. awesome. Thank uh, you. He's, uh, he's not wrong. I wanted to talk a little bit about how that came together. At, I love the screaming crowd kind of 60s-ish flair on that track. I know that these songs are each almost like offshoots of the root track that you were working on, the Palladium root track. But can you tell us a little bit about how Punkette specifically grew into its own thing? Um, so yeah, so the, the screaming audience that you hear is, is a um, paying homage to Liz Brady's version of Palladium. Oh, 
Yeah, so she had a screaming audience playing throughout her track. So that's why we did it. And Yeah, we just love that idea. But we weren't going to do it on all versions because it's a little distracting. Yeah. So we added it onto the heavier version of Palladium. And then for that one, I did a demo of that on my own. And then the band just copied the music for that one. Yeah. Because that one's one I could approach on my own pretty easily. You know, I wanted it to be straightforward and uh, punky. Yeah. Yeah. Scratchy, yeah. punky, <laughs> simplistic, you know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> where did you get the, the shouting from? Where where did that originate? I was on YouTube for like eight hours straight just taking tiny bits and pieces of oh my God. screaming audiences. There's even some Beatlemanias <laughs> like footage. And I just pieced it all and kind of just like stacked it. So it's... Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's, it sounds seamless. I've had to do that before on a different show of ours. I did I, similar to what you did, and I had to sort of piece it together, you know, to cut out the newsreels of somebody talking about. And then the four lads got off the plane. Up, oh, they appear to be waving, waving to, to the, the crowd. crowd. <laughs> um, but uh, you made it sound seamless. of which you both produced the totality of the EP, which I keep mispronouncing as Palladium because my inner New Jersey is showing. I apologize. Palladium? It's Palladium. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind that. I don't apologize. I say Palladium because I think that, I don't know why. It sounds much better. I mean, in, in French, yeah, it's Palladium, but, you know, this is like a Franco-American. Right. Thing, yeah. So. I mean, like Paul said, we we got the New Jersey going through us. I'm I'm yeah. just thinking of the Beastie Boys Stadium Palladium. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, hey. nice! I'm in Pennsylvania, so we're we're close-ish. That's cool. Uh, North Jersey, South Jersey, Central Jersey. North Jersey. North Jersey. Mm-hmm. Pine Barrens. No, that's South Jersey. No, Paul, that's you South you Jersey. failed. I thought there was Pine <laughs> Barrens. There's not Pine Barrens up no, there. No, there's mountains up there. There's a lot of corpses in the Pine Barrens, though. Yes, oh, I had a friend who grew up in the in the Pine Barrens. And that's, that's a real yeah. dumping ground. <laughs> we've we've often discussed the New Jersey mafia dealings that we've we've all yeah. kind of witnessed, and I'm sure we love Jersey. Yeah. I miss that yes. pizza. Oh, we God, grew up I there. Miss that yeah. pizza. I am not so much disappointed as I am blinded with rage. Olivia, you produce Night Owl, and this is, you know, sort of coming off the heels of that. I wanted to talk a little bit about if were there any things that you noticed about technique during Night Owl that helped inform this? And Eleanor, could you talk uh, maybe a little bit about how you approach co-producing the project as well? For me, yeah, um, I learned a lot of Night Owl, learned a lot of do's and don'ts. But for this record, since it was, I'm a huge April March fan, and this is her first project on Third Man, I was co-producer but i really wanted eleanor to have more input on this than myself because her inspirations were on point her references were on point and i i wanted to see like how eleanor works so you know i was there for the basics like levels and and just making sure everything flows and blends and sounds nice but eleanor had some um had some more intricate ideas so probably eleanor will have a better 
explanation of the <laughs> process. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I usually just kind of build things from the drums and the bass. Hmm. And, you know, different sort of guitar tones and doubling is really important to me. Yeah. I worked with Brian Wilson a bunch of times in the studio. So while I was recording Chick Habit, I was also in the studio with him. And so I would say things to him like, oh, you know, I put this sax on. I'm not really happy with it. I'm not getting the right tone. He was like, you got to use your voice. You got to, you know, if you're not getting the result you want with an instrument, use your voice like that. He just kind of hammered that into me. And, you know, the importance of percussion on top of guitar tones and vocals and stuff. So that's just the way I always produce, you know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. The Allons-y, you know, let's go version. That was kind of the really fun one for me and Olivia, because we really, we went and we really didn't know. I was like, let's have, you know, let's start with like a Bo Diddley beat. Let's do that. And it didn't end up anything like that. You know, we just, <laughs> it just turned into this like hybrid thing. And then the vocals with the band going all the way through, like that was just like, okay, let's try it. It's probably not going to work. And it was perfect. two versions like that were very straightforward to me like I knew exactly which fuzz puddle I wanted you know which bass rig I wanted everything and then for the LNC one it was a little more elastic mm-hmm. like I really worked with the drummer because the drummer got super inspired he was like I want to try this and how about can I do three tracks and we were like yes go for it <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of just collaboration because it's like when I go into the studio like and I'd never met these musicians before and I'd only met Olivia once I do like to kind of arrive and see what everybody kind of wants to do or what can do and then I start thinking from there because it's not as fun when you go in and and know exactly what you're gonna do and I don't like there's as much magic between the musicians like the guitar player i sort of threw like a reference at him i was like you know can you do some kind of santo and johnny type lifts and he was all he was like oh of course and then i was like okay this guy is really knows mm-hmm. things and then it was easier to say you know try this try that and then erica the bass player she had never played this type of bass before sound mm-hmm. or anything and she was amazing. She just like picked it right up. I was like, just stay away from the pickup and the bridge. Yeah. And that's what's fun for me because I could see her going, whoa, this is cool. I've never tried this before. <laughs> and then she killed it. We mixed her like way up in the mix. Yeah. yeah no one's still Erica. She's mine. 
<laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I mean, all you know, all three all of, of those guys are amazing. Yeah. yeah, they're all amazing, and they're all super easy and nice, and just really good musicians. So for me, it was just like, oh, this is just a breeze and fantastic and fun, you know. Yeah, that spontaneity is a running theme in almost every artist me and Paul kind of like, with the exception of Paul McCartney, who seems to loathe spontaneity, at least in his early Uh, days. (laughs) I never go into the studio with spontaneity because I write everything myself and I work pretty hard trying to get everything, you know, all the melodies together, but it never turns out how I want it to in the end, obviously. But I mean, I'm always, you know, happy with it, but it, it still never turns out that way. But going into things spontaneously, I think this was the first time I have. Was it an enjoyable experience, at least? It was enjoyable, yeah, because when you're solo, it's it's harder to do because you have too much workload mentally. But collaborating with somebody was really fun. I mean, you can kind of count your solo stuff as spontaneous because you're you're spontaneously coming up with it. I mean, it's it's spontaneous <laughs> at some point. That's true. That's true. <laughs> when I walk into the studio, it's usually a plan. I got a plan. That's fair. That's we fair. do this. But yeah, it made me miss being in a band because working with Eleanor and collaborating was really fun. And it made the days go by a lot smoother. Well, you're always like layering guitar parts, right, Olivia? So you have to have a plan for that stuff, right? You're always, right? There's a lot of, speaking of Brian Wilson, like counterpoints and all this stuff going on in your tunes. It tends to happen, yeah. Yeah, especially on like the instrumentals, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I like instrumental music. So yeah, having yeah. everything placed specifically is important. And to speak on the point of what you were saying, Eleanor, of using your voice in place of an instrument, the LNC Let's Go, it really blends into the background. If it's done improperly, that could have been really grating, Mm -hmm. but it worked so seamlessly in the song. It added a nice structure that you kind of forget is words sometimes, and then it comes back to you, and it's really well done. It's like a like a vocal yeah. snare drum or something. Yeah, like back yeah. This it was you know it was just kind of creating like another kind of percussion. Yeah. It's another instrument. It's like what I was saying earlier. It's like you forget like how dynamic vocals can be with mm-hmm. instruments. Besides, you know, singing a melody or singing a straight backup. Yeah, you know, it can just add like some punch but also i mean you know yes that track was more spontaneous but the other two we did really plan out and i really planned out hot sauce like Mm -hmm. right down to like you know i sent josh who engineered it like a whole list of what pedals i needed the strings i needed for the like everything so it is there's a lot of planning and then i like to plan really hard and then just like throw it out <laughs> you know cause yeah say like oh i'm gonna re- i'm gonna this is gonna be my motown song you know i've done that before and then what comes out is like sounds nothing like that <laughs> you know but it's yeah. great Well, you guys are in the visual arts. You both have worked in that. So like 
you probably can both relate to the having the idea in your head and then like halfway through what you're creating, it's already changed to something different, but you just kind of have to roll with it. I mean, that's just art in general, musical or visual. Yeah, yeah. for the better. It's natural. I mean, yeah. it's natural for you. You know, you can try to be something else, but if you're trying to be something else completely, you wouldn't be, wouldn't have that special, <laughs> you know, special touch that people want to. Yeah. People listen to you for, you know, you can ha- say, oh, I want to listen. I want to sound like Motown, but you need those changes to happen midway through for it to become your own. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that we experimented a lot. And Eleanor was saying like she had instrument request and all of that, which is awesome because with gear, I'm pretty like, just give me what I get and I'll, I'll you know, whatever. But by her bringing in specific instruments and everything, the mixing process was a lot easier because she knew exactly how things were going to sound yeah, and how they would fit into the music. So yeah. Eleanor brought a lot of education <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to think about and take care of before you walk into the studio. So she, me and her talked a ton on the phone prepping for this. The only thing we didn't really talk about is the music, the arrangements. Mm. Eleanor oh. set the table very well. <laughs> it was very yeah. fancy dinner. <laughs> <laughs> touched a little bit on your visual art careers, respectively. Eleanor, I mentioned earlier the We're Going to Be Friends book that you illustrated going back now a few years. Of course, there's also mixed media and other things in there other than illustrations. First of all, my daughter thanks you for that book. We had to buy two copies because she wound up tearing one of them to bits because she was reading it so much that it started falling apart. So she loves that. She learned the word peppermint from that book actually so it's like that's peppermint anyway um but yeah i wanted to talk about your visual art career a little bit because we know that you had gotten started you were in the uh, the disney animation program is that right when you were younger now of course that branched off into working on peewee's playhouse and ren and stimpy and other things and i was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your trajectory there in the visual arts well i guess after high school i went to parsons for a semester but oh yeah it was expensive and i didn't feel like I don't know. I felt like I wasn't getting what I wanted and I just wanted to get to work. So I s- actually started as an intern on Archie comics and then, Whoa, wait, really? Yeah. I worked there for seven years <laughs> and I was an intern there as well. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was my, yeah. I was uh, executive director of editorial at Archie for seven years. In Mamaroneck? <laughs> yeah. In Mamaroneck. Yeah. yeah. I lived in oh, Yonkers. Okay. So my job <laughs> at Archie So they didn't have an internship or a job or anything. I just really wanted to work there. So I showed up there one day wearing like my saddle shoes with bells on and everything. (laughs) And Victor was- Yeah, Victor Gorelick. Okay, so Victor- He hired me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I show up and he's sort of like, what have we here? You know, I'm like 18. (laughs) I'm like, I want to work for you. And he's like, I don't have a job for you. And I said, well, I'll work for free for two weeks. And if you like me, have to hire me. And so (laughs) he was like, okay. And he said, but I'm going to make it really hard for you. Because I was living in the 
the Lower East Side. It was like, you're gonna have to fill like 10 pages of your sketchbook on the train, on the way up and on the way back, and we're gonna check them. So I was like, okay. (laughs) They just kind of ran me ragged. Like I remember the little Archie artist. He often wasn't in the studio in the morning and it was my job to go to the bar to get him because he would stop there first. Anyways, so after I was at Archie, you know, on my resume, I went to Pee Wee's Playhouse and they hired me. They were like, can you animate? And I was like, yeah, I can animate. And I didn't know how to animate. Holy shit. So they just, I just kind of got trained on the job and I was at that studio for, I guess, four years. And I was yeah. so good at being um, doing in-betweens. Yeah. God bless you for doing those. That's <laughs> that's so much work. This, this animator came in who had gone through the Disney program at CalArts. And he said, Eleanor, you can't, you, you should just go to CalArts for a year. You're going to be, you're never going to, they're going to just keep you at this level for the rest of your life. So that's when I went to the Disney. My wife was in the character animation program at CalArts. So what? that is... So, uh, well, she actually just went uh, a few years ago and then she had to take a break oh. uh, when, when we had our daughter. But that is wild to me that not only did you and I literally work in the same building, but you went That's to the crazy. same school as my wife. <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. I feel like I've also heard that story of how you've got into animation from almost every animator I've ever known is like, yeah, I lied and just said I could animate and started <laughs> doing it, including myself. I'm actually prepping for a job that I don't know how to do. Uh, so it's really great doing, <laughs> doing layout. So wish me luck. But that is nuts. I interned for two weeks, Paul. I was under Paul. Paul let me help him in the studio. <laughs> <for a little laughs> bit. <laughs> I was not run ragged. I was totally run ragged. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a joke. It was like, make Eleanor do that. Make Eleanor do this. Oh yeah. God, so wild. So at what point does that become music? I mean, because that must oh, have been... I was I had a band at the same time called the Pussy Willows. Yeah. So I was, well, not when I was at Archie. It was maybe when I was at Pee Wee, I formed that band. So basically I would just not sleep. Like I would work, you know, from like nine to about 10 o'clock at night. Then I'd either go to rehearsal or I had a gig. And yeah. sometimes I would just go to work, like from being out at night. You had a lot of irons in the fire going on. That's why. Yeah, I had a lot of energy. So I had this band, then I had another band called the Shitbird. <laughs> another animator that I worked with and we got laid off at one point and he was oh, wow. like let's start a band 
Like, <laughs> he was like babysitting the studio for Sonic Youth while they were on tour. He was like, I got a great rehearsal space. <laughs> I was like, okay, so then we formed that band. And then there's the connection you did, from what I hear, contributed to the music of I Am Weasel as well for Cartoon Network. Yeah, that w- but that was when I was on Ren and Stimpy. Okay. So we were working with Hanna-Barbera that they, after Ren and Stimpy, like a few of us went to Hanna-Barbera. Okay. I didn't go, but, you know, so we were all just kind of spread out and knew each other. So yeah. when they wow. needed music, they... That's nuts. That was out here in Burbank? That was out in Burbank. And actually, you know, the music editor was Charlie Britz at Hanna-Barbera. He was the engineer on most of, like, Pet Sounds, everything. Oh, oh, oh. wow. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's wild. You were actually label mates with Jack White for a little while. I think the White Stripes were on Sympathy within a year of when... Yeah, we were release. totally on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so had you had any interactions back in the, is that how you got to know each other back in the day at all or not really? No, we didn't meet. I mean, I just remember John saying, you got to meet these guys. I'm driving them around in my station wagon. They're really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And for whatever reason, no, we didn't, we never met during that period. Yeah. Everybody seems to have a long gone John story. Anything? Any long gone John stories you want to share? I mean, I have one, but it, you've probably heard it already about his jean jacket. I, no, don't no, me. I don't think so. The no. jean jacket. So he showed me this jean jacket, and he explained that, like, when he was a teenager, he was homeless. He was like kind of just going to shows on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, and met these girls that were just kind of like they were like come you can come stay at our place you know we got plenty of room and so they were staying out in the valley so he went with them he stayed there for i don't know a while and then one day they were just gone but one of them had left some clothes behind and he needed a jacket so he took this jacket and it was squeaky crumbs jacket wow you know, it was he was living with the Manson girls. Ah, uh, I did not know that. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is like you know, I guess, I guess this would have been, you know, after some of the arrests or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, good. We, he's got squeaky frowns. I I thought you telling me that you were in the studio with Brian Wilson was going to be the weirdest thing I heard today. And that is even, that's wild. It seems to all be leading back to Manson. That's the concern. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's all in the Beach Boy realm there. (laughs) I will tell you, I did just, um, because I have a new album coming out in July. Brian's ex-wife, Marilyn, is singing on it, who sang on just about all the Beach Boys albums through the 60s and then she was in American Spring and she told me that when the Mansons came over to their house she just spent like the next two days like scouring everything he was so disgusting Uh, (laughs) yeah this is just I don't I have to like disinfect the entire house (laughs) I've heard there was a smell (laughs) I've heard there was a smell Uh, (laughs) Well, to get back to the book, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm unpacking all of this now, slowly. We had read that, that Jack had approached you, Eleanor, about the project in, in around 2016. What was your reaction to that? And have you stayed in contact with Jack since then over 
over that. I mean, I assume so. But. Yeah, we've totally stayed in contact. And I guess when he first asked me to do it, I said, can I let you know in a couple of days? And I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. And then because <laughs> I'd never done a kid's book before. And then everyone was like, Eleanor, come on, you can do it. I mean, you've been all worked on all these cartoons. You, you know, you've got the training. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. And yeah. I had a really short time to do it. So it was very challenging. Okay. I love the designs of the kid characters. They're great. And they is that like a treble clef or like a little musical thing in the ear as well? On those yeah, designs? so the only thing that Jack said to me was he just didn't want the characters to be human, like not okay. any recognizable kind of human. And it had to be red, white, and black. So that's those were my parameters. So I came up with, you know, the musical elves. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what they are. They're like musical elves. Yeah. They had that elfish vibe. So I was fortunate enough to be in the audience for the reading that Jack did out here at um, the Grove for that book. And you were DJing that set. And I wanted to call out, you spun a Ruddles track during that DJ set. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to say, oh, wait, what, really? Covering the Ruddles? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was Hold My Hand, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but that was my my first band covering it. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's three things. You got me on three things today. I was just so excited because no one ever plays Ruddles tunes and they're awesome. And so I was just so happy to hear that. I, it wasn't even a question. I just wanted to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're really Chris Farleying this up. Going, yeah, we're totally, yeah. Remember, remember when that when thing happened? That? Yeah, it was awesome. yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, you remember that? Well, Olivia, you've DJed too. Both of you guys have DJed. What, is there any technique that you guys can share with us for DJing a thing like that? I've DJed once in the Black Bells. We did a DJ night. Oh, no, I've DJed twice. The Black Bells was really cool. Um, obviously, we were the only ones there that wanted to listen to our music because it was not lounging music. It was not the kind of music to listen to and have a drink with your friend, which yeah. people were trying to do. <laughs> I've DJed in a bar, which was really fun. I want to do it more. I've done one Spotify playlist that's public, and I think that's something I want to continue doing. Yeah, I like DJing. You like slipping in the obscure songs, the one percenters. Those are, yes. that must be the fun part, right? It's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't have a lot of experience DJing. Eleanor's like, I, Eleanor is so cool. I'm, I'm just like, I'm here for flair. <laughs> <laughs> and anyways, you know what? I have no experience DJing. I mean, that reading that you, I've done it like a few times. Yeah. I get very discombobulated with the turntable. <laughs> so that the reading you came to though the actual dj was jonathan tobin oh so i don't know if you're familiar with him he does new york night train to me okay. he's like yeah. the best dj for all you know that type of music in the world 
Yeah. So I just brought some records and he actually did the DJing. I see. Okay. Okay. When I DJ, it's like long spaces between the records. (laughs) All right, Eleanor, we got to collab on a DJ night then because doing the fade was my favorite part. Oh, (laughs) yeah. No, I can't do that. I was so excited. My biggest claim to fame with DJing is making Dave Buick mess up slightly with his fade when he was DJing in the Blue Room uh, at one point. So that was... The fade uh, is important. Yeah, Eleanor, Eleanor, DJ night. Yeah, let's do it. Totally. To. You just throw me the vinyl and I'll take care of the fade outs. Wait, you know what I was told one time when I DJed that, um, well, that I was a terrible DJ because clearly I was just playing my favorite records just... You know, I'd arrived, you know, again, it wasn't, I wasn't being spontaneous. Like this person was like, you know, DJing is like sex. Like you have to look at the crowd, see what they want, see how to make them move. You know, like you can't just go in there and like play whatever you want. You know, it's about, and I was like, oh, was that Brian Wilson? Did Brian was say it, that? Was it Victor? <laughs> was it Victor? <laughs> 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 Olivia, when last we left our hero. You were sojourning across America promoting Night Owl before the coronavirus caused that sojourn to careen off the road. But before that, the show I saw was amazing. The show James saw was amazing. Do you have any tour highlights from the Night Owl tour you wanted to share with us? Anything like that? Obviously, touring with the Tours was incredible, you know, being able to see that world. Yeah. It's pretty cool sharing that stage, them allowing us to share that stage was very special. That was definitely the most freeing part of tour because you were amongst friends and it was very fun. And then actually the last show before the pandemic hit in Los Angeles was probably my favorite show that we've played. I mean, there were a ton of technical difficulties, but even so, (laughs) I just love, I love LA and playing there. It just feels at home and it feels like a lot of people there are more drawn to my style of music. So the very last show, I'm so glad we ended on that note because I really enjoyed that night. Yeah, that was a, a phenomenal show. Oh, my God. You had that whole Where place. was it? Los oh. Angeles, yeah. No, I know what venue. Oh, shoot. I forget. It all blends together. Yeah, I, have the- <laughs> I don't remember the name of the venue, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, we had technical difficulties. We were sitting on stage <laughs> like a bunch of dumbasses for like 10 minutes waiting for them to figure out what what was going on but even so it was fun and i loved it (laughs) yeah it was great it would have sucked to end the tour any other way i think there was some friends there too i I think uh, i believe carla azar was at that show as well and patrick keeler right that came to see you as well so yeah jack's tour manager and i forget the actress's name but the daughter on schitt's creek was oh yeah i think it's annie Plummer. maybe no annie somebody i don't know but yeah. My booking agent was there and he ran scurried up to me. He was so excited. I was like, yes, I'm glad that this night is just everyone's having a good time. It's great. Yeah, it was amazing. There was a drunk man next to me screaming, They want you to help them. He was trying to shout advice on how to fix the technical difficulties onto the stage. Very loud man. <laughs> Um, anyway. <laughs> I think you might have been talking to me a little bit too. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. 
<laughs> it was Paul. It was Paul. Yeah, was <laughs> they want you to help them. <laughs> Whoever screamed that obnoxious or not, thank you, because that was ridiculous. But I, at least I got my guitarist to tell jokes, which I love doing. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that was right. Just ruin his night and tell him you got to tell jokes for me. I mean, <laughs> this is all we have. <laughs> this is the only tool left is to tell jokes. Right. Hopefully that worked out. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Experience at your show when you were opening for Les Zeppelin was was any indication? Yeah, Les Zeppelin. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, yeah, we opened it, for Les Zeppelin. That was an yep. interesting gig. It was a in the real Led Zeppelin. No, Les, a female female cover band. <laughs> no, I did not open for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it was still pretty cool. Yeah, that that venue that that show was weird. <laughs> it was little did you guys know <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah i enjoyed it quite a bit it was right up front for your set there and it was great it so was really I, exciting to see you there thank yeah. you for coming to that i still have anxiety flashbacks of standing next to you while watching Led zeppelin and i turn and i didn't realize you were there and i shouted in disbelief oh you're still here and i i have anxiety flashbacks to that to be like she probably thought i was like oh you're still here. i was like oh my god i was just excited totally to thought see that you. it haunted me for a week. i was so upset look, no look. don't worry let your anxiety okay. go you're free i can't i can't do it i that. have not thought about that at all <laughs> i know hey, you remember that and i thought about it every day since then um freedom. No, but freedom but it was freedom. it was really nice freedom. to 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 uh to see that show and, and yeah no, your, your band your band is awesome and phenomenal. And they also play on Palladium. Let's go with that. Yeah, um, well, not that lineup. The Les Zeppelin show. I think my drummer, my drummer and my guitarist were in there, but it was a different bass player. I remember some people saying that he was new to that specific show, I think. Yeah, Cody is amazing. I love having him play with me. He really loves guitar pedals and effects. And he just like, he adds a lot of atmosphere to the music, nice. but not too much. It's like just enough of psychedelic <laughs> vibes in the background <laughs> yeah it's cool yeah that band was awesome i'm glad i ended the tours with them they're very kind what was uh, the dynamic like on the road with you guys i tour manage i do all the prep i'm the boss so it's very <laughs> stressful i can be you know i'll get stressed out on the road we don't have a driver we don't have a merch person we don't have a tour manager it's very it's a family family affair so obviously i think anyone who tours knows that it's like living with somebody. It's like moving in with somebody immediately because you're in a van. And we, our drives are insane, like 10 hour drives every night, no sleep. So just imagine that yeah. <laughs> kind of environment. Yeah, you had driven up to S San Francisco from LA that night, I think, after that show that I was at too, right? Yeah, I drove that one in a, a pain. <laughs> but maybe one day, maybe one day I can have a little team. But for right now, it's very, uh, it's like, it's it's rough. Yeah. But it's all worth it for that 45 to an hour on stage. It's all worth it for that one hour, you know, <laughs> how much we love music. So 
yeah, it's, it's a good group of people to cheer with, you know, still stressful, obviously, but we make it work. We survive. <laughs> Speaking of one magic hour, we really appreciate both of you joining us today and talking with us. We have so much more. Like, uh, I just to touch on very briefly, the lyric video, Olivia, for John Pehichanho was phenomenal. I think that came out since last we spoke. We really love that one. I think you did that makeup tutorial, too, since last oh, we yeah. spoke, which was wild. <laughs> the- That's my Mona Lisa. I, think I'm good. I-, I feel good. It's very good. Yes, I feel good. Very good, yes. <laughs> Did I poke you in the eyeball? A little bit, yeah. Okay, be strong. Okay, everything's gonna be okay. And you did uh, those awesome Third Man Public Access <laughs> sessions. On one of them, I did want to ask you real quick before we go here. You're playing a Hofner, I think, bass? Or is it just a violin bass? There's an actual Hofner. That's an actual Hofner that I borrowed from Jack because I didn't have a bass. But I, re- yeah, of course. Of course. I can borrow a Hofner, which is amazing. <laughs> so then I went out and I bought my own, you know, oh, more wow. baseline model of it, obviously. But I love Hofners. It's my favorite bass because I play guitar. So it's it feels yeah. like you're playing a guitar. Is Jack's a left-handed Hofner or is it? Oh, no, is... right. Okay. I figured he might be, a, you know, try to do it as a point of like. He's got to fight the instrument. He's going to play a left-handed. <laughs> no, left-handed no, bass. no, no. <laughs> uh, but you also, you, your new guitar, Holly Grail, I mean, it's, be, I guess, a year old by now. Do you want to just quickly tell us the story of Holly and, and how Holly came into this world? I'm so glad you know her name. Well, people don't know her name. <laughs> yeah, awesome. she's she's still a baby. She's only played two shows. <laughs> the best guitar ever, actually. Um, that was a gift from Jack. He gets me all these, he's gotten me my nicest guitars because like I said, I'm pretty punk rock. If you give me anything, a square or whatever, I'm happy, (laughs) you know? So he's hooking me up with good gear. But um, the guitar was built by Chip Ellis from the Fender Custom Shop and then the paint job by Jay Nelson. But since then, Jack has tried the guitar out and he loves it so much that he's kind of trying to use a lot of the elements for his own equipment as well. Oh, wow. It's just the perfect guitar. I do not need another guitar ever again and it glistens under the stage lights too because it's got that sort of glittery sort of finish it's It's so beautiful (laughs) she's right in front of me actually i'm staring at her awesome so (laughs) so what what's coming next for you two eleanor what do you got coming up next what's heading down the pike i have an album i'm releasing with record store day on july 17th that i'm really excited about it's like a whole star-studded cast of musicians we have Tony Allen, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Bella's drummer. The, the, he invented Afrobeat. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's kind of probably one of the most influential drummers in, yeah. on the planet. He, he actually died last year. Oh, wow. He's playing drums. Marilyn Wilson, who I mentioned, Ryan Wilson's ex-wife, she's singing on it. Two of the Hayden triplets are singing on it. Oh, wow. Cool. Andy Paley is on it, who have done a lot of, do you know Andy Paley? Yeah, um, and then, I don't know, just, I don't know, there's tons of musicians. String section from 24-piece orchestra from Macedonia, string section. I don't know, it's a very, like, (laughs) big (laughs) album. So I'm excited to release that um, with Record Store Day on the 17th. That's exciting. What's it called? It's called In Cinerama. Awesome. And then there's a really nice illustration on the back of the Cinerama Dome. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. I co-produced that with a French musician named Mehdi Zanad, mm-hmm. who also goes by the name Fugu. 
And I think I, I probably, I sort of learned about him from, I think from Leticia Sadier, who's the singer of Stereo Lab. Mm-hmm. He was doing, he's sort of part of that circle. Yeah, and like Sean O'Hagan is also on the album, did all the strings for Stereo Lab. So this Great. is an all-star all-star cast. You're not kidding. Janet <laughs> Rogers is on it, singing on it, and Lola Kirk. Are you familiar with Lola? She, have you seen I'm, I'm, um, Mozart in the Jungle or Gone Girl? Yeah, Gone Girl. So. She's an actress, but she's also a musician. She's an amazing singer. And her dad is um, Simon Kirk, from the drummer from Bad Company and Free. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I imagine like that scene in Walk Hard where he's recording like his psychedelic album and it's just like an auditorium full of people and different instruments and all that. You know that scene? You mean from Free? <laughs> from Walk Hard. From Walk Hard. Oh, Walk Hard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Paul just, just watched that film for the first time in a long time. Uh, it's it so great. It's so very good. Divine. When he turns to the sky and goes, God damn it, this is a dark f-ing period. It's really, truly <laughs> beautiful cinema. Uh, so Olivia. Yeah, sorry, Eleanor. <laughs> no, it's fine. To interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. So the new album is coming in July in time for Record Store Day. Now, hopefully, the world will be opened up just enough where maybe we might get a live show or two. Hopefully, maybe, uh, maybe. later in the year. Who knows? Possibly. If you're in New York. On Record Store Day, there's actually a dinner happening that night at a restaurant with this organization called Stereo Dinner, which is basically you can buy a ticket to have dinner with me. And Jonathan Tobin is going to be there, too. And we'll be listening to the album, talking about the album. It's at a French restaurant in the West Village. So you get like... You know, really good wine and coffee. <laughs> yeah. And, and, when and is... the link for it is available on Eleanor's Instagram. Uh-huh. So the tickets are available now. Oh, yeah. And my website. I just tickets. built a website. So you can get the tickets through my website. Fantastic. We'll include I'm, links. I'm just close so enough. Right? AprilMarch.com. <laughs> Perfect. I might just be seeing you there then. I live just close enough. I'm I'm in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So I'm oh, just, nice. just, yeah. And Olivia, is there is there anything coming down the pike for you? Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm starting to book shows, which feels really weird. I have a couple shows booked in September. Wow. Okay. One in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and one in Memphis. The show in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, is a festival, outdoor festival. Yeah, I, I think safety protocols are in place. Everything seems pretty good. Yeah. So September. Fantastic. We will Amazing. emerge. <laughs> yeah like like weird beautiful covid butterflies oh all, yeah it's just damage yeah totally just bad. Bad. <laughs> i mean i know we didn't get into it but me and eleanor both got it and oh uh, yeah it sucked what's it gonna be like oh my god going on a stage what's oh yeah who knows <laughs> <laughs> you you writing it all olivia you, you you compiling songs there olivia you got another album what are you doing I have songs in the works, and if you saw this room right now, I just had to shove all the instruments off the couch. <laughs> really? That's yeah, great. I made a little jam space just trying to trap myself and record as much as I can because in the pandemic, it's really easy to get distracted. So yeah. I've been struggling with that. So I'm trying to just enclose myself in a cage with my <laughs> instruments and just do it. Just do it. I had a lot of people telling me it's the perfect time to uh, to be creative and all these other things. And I'm like, I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need to write a book. Keeps you happy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, if I may recommend, uh, if you do rope Blackwell in for any of those sessions, I did want to solicit this name for you, the Blackwell Bell, since it's one of the one bell instead of the black bells. It's the black, the black bells. They can't all be great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get it. Well, me and Ben Blackwell <laughs> did cover a Melvin song first. That so that's the Blackwell Bells. Perfect. Now we know our name. <laughs> Pat well, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Paul, a pun. Thank you. Paul expects his royalties. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's a deal. Uh, this has been so much fun. <laughs> amazing. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you both have been amazing inspirations and a part of our musical backgrounds. Eleanor, specifically for a long time. Olivia, we love your music. We've loved it since day one. And Seriously, yeah. you guys are both great. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. You guys are great, too. It's always awesome talking to you. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for all nice. your support. Of course. Yeah. Always. Anything we can do. We love you. You're great. You got a dance <laughs> for us. That's what you could do for Okay, us. we'll I mean, go out on the dance. We'll go out on the dance. We learned like, it from our mom, so. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so down. much. Generations. This is so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was fun. Thank you so much, Olivia Jean and April March, for joining us on the show. Again, if anyone has not picked up the Palladium EP, either in physical form, it was released as a single, or in digital form highly encourage everybody pick it up those artists are great individually and they're even better together yes and be on the lookout for the record store day record by pro march and also pick up night owl why not yeah and also the we're gonna be friends book bathtub love killings black bells all that stuff get it they're amazing both people amazing musicians artists yeah well we'd also like to thank some other folks we have some shout outs to give here to our Patreon patrons, the folks who keep the show afloat. Mm-hmm. We have Derek Ferguson, Forever Ferguson. We have Michael Brookfield, The Bone Brookfield, Tam Davis, our third person spirit every week, Luke Sinclair, Luke Me Over Closely, Josh Aiken, Joe Shaken All Over, Melinda Tay, Lord Send Me an Angel Down. We have Julian Tobias, The $3 Hat Migs, Stu Catter, Stu Driver, Kate McCoy. The Bones of the Operation, Brenda Englehart. We want to be the boys to warm your Englehart. She's actually the only one written here that we didn't write what the na- nickname of is next to her name is because we always remember it. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yvette Wilkins or Wilkins on Sunshine. Brett Garski, the Brett Three Killed Mike Garski. Elizabeth Myers, one eye, one blank stare. Looking up Myers there. Melinda Endress, you look pretty in your fancy Endress. Shane Benjamson of the Shane Boy You've Always Known, Ashley Forbes, Steady Ashley Goes, and Stephen Reese, the Stephen Nation Army. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And if you'd like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so by following the instructions at the ad at the end of the show. If you'd like to get in contact with us and talk to us, you can do so a number of ways. You can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can tweet at us at thirdmencast on Twitter. Tumble on down to our Tumblr. That's thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on our website, thirdmenpodcast.com. Feel free to email us any fan corrections at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You can Find uh, some fun photos and such on our Instagram. That's at the third men underscore podcast. Let me do that again. That's at 
the third men underscore podcast. Paul posts lots of fun photos there. You can find some merch. Mostly nudies. Mostly nudies. Paul posts a lot of nudies. Um, I post lots of nudies there. Yeah. You can buy some of our merch. That's bit.ly slash third men merch. If you you know want to support us but don't want to be a monthly Patreon patron, you could do so by, by buying some merch with some of our logos and stuff. James does wonderful artwork on there. It's not just logos on things and like lunch boxes. You know, when you, when you go to... <laughs> When you send your kid to school with a Third Men podcast lunchbox and a Third Men thermos and balloons for the kitties, uh, there's also things like Rag and Bone and your podcast Not Dead. Lots of fun designs and illustrations James has on there. So, you know, if you haven't taken a look at the merch site in a while, might, you may as well. Lord knows I haven't. Let's let me upload something new. Bit.ly/ThirdMenMerch. And you can find our show on Acast. They host it. They're great. And search us on YouTube for some fun visualizers to our episodes, tidbits of interviews, that sort of stuff. That's youtube.com slash C slash the third men podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you can. It helps us. And uh, we love you. If you can send us a rating and write in your review how you would trap Brian Dennehy in the forest. Or, conversely, uh, tell us um, you're reviewing us because you you really want the Olivia Jean and Eleanor Blake episode to do. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that one, but also, like, how would you trap Brian Dennehy, though? And how has he tried to trap you before? If you want to tell us that, seriously, if you send us something, anything about Brian Dennehy, it could just be like, I love f***ing Brian Dennehy. Look, we're just saying, get silly with it. Who cares? Get silly with it. If you want to write it as Brian Dennehy reviewing the show, that would be great. Give us uh, whatever your rough detective name would be. Give us a fun name. That's good, too. That's that's more, yeah. It can literally just be the name. Uh, you don't have to write anything else. Five stars, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, five. Well, that's the... Okay, <laughs> listen, if you're going to take the time, we've said this before, if you're going to take the time to write something silly about Brian Dennehy, d- you ha- it has to be five stars. Unless you really don't like us, in which case, five stars and say you really don't like us. Because I guess, thinking about it, Brian Dennehy would give us one star because he hates us. But he has to listen because he has to know where we are. It's and true. that's part of it. We'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James, until next week, I'll be looking for a home in a hole looking up at an unsuspecting Brian Dennehy. And I will be looking for a home in the village of Maranek, New York, at the offices of Archie Comics. Right. See you next time, everybody. Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time.
Welcome back for. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, it's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Marcherons vers l'école sans un bruit. 